Hi, everyone. This is Jennifer Shinkai from Ikigai with Jennifer Shinkai. Just wanted to let you know before you listen to today's episode with my wonderful guest, Maurice Rabb, um, that we do talk about mental health, mental illness, as well as suicide ideation. Uh, we don't go deep into the topic, but we just wanted to let you know that that is what is coming up in case it is something which might trigger you. So I hope that you will enjoy the episode today. Maurice was a fabulous guest. And if you are struggling in any way, please do reach out to tell or a local provider of mental support services. Thank you so much. Enjoy. Hi, everyone. I'm Jennifer, the host of Ikigai with Jennifer Shinkai, where we're going to talk about the Japanese concept of Ikigai or living a life of purpose. Here, you're going to hear inspirational stories from all different types of people who are finding their own life of purpose. You're going to hear about how they found their Ikigai and what they do every day to live an integrated life. So without further ado, let's dive right in. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome wherever you are tuning in from around this great world that we live in. Uh, to Ikigai with Jennifer Shinkai. I am your host, Ikigai, with Jennifer Shinkai's host. I can't keep, I said I'd screw it up and I did again. Jennifer Shinkai, that's my name. Ikigai with Jennifer Shinkai is the name of the podcast. I just want to say it again and again. I'm very bad at doing introductions of my own show. Let's hope I do a better introduction of Maurice Rabb, who is our guest today. So thank you so much for joining us today, Maurice. I'm so thank excited. Thank you to have you. And I was even more thrilled when I saw you, surprisingly, on Friday night. Exactly. Um, just before we recorded. So, and then we didn't actually talk to each other because I, I wanted to keep it fresh for fresh for today <laughs> and uh, the situation. But it was really fun to see what a small world Tokyo is and how those different connections. Um, did you stay on for a Nijikai afterwards? Or? Uh, yes, I will say Sanjikai, Yonjikai. Woo! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was a pretty late night or right. early morning. Early. Oh wow! So I left <laughs> I left at the right time. So big uh, big shout out to Karen Good for being for an amazing host. It was great to to see her here. But the, but the reason that I invited you was not because your ability to stay out drinking all night. The reason I invited you was because every interaction that I've had with you through. Uh, LinkedIn and face-to-face -face at networking events and especially through your work at TEL, Tokyo English Lifeline, which we're going to talk about today. I've always been so interested in your perspective on, and care, just care for other people and bringing that with, you know, as a legal professional, you know, yes. as a lawyer, um, there's a certain bias, right? There's a certain stereotype that some people might have around like how a lawyer is going to show up. And, and I just have found every message, every interaction to be really fruitful, interesting, made me think. And I think there's a lot in what your experiences are that will be really interesting uh, for Ikigai with Jennifer Shinkai listeners. So let me start with a little bit of your bio introduction. And this is from your role as a member of the Tokyo English Lifeline Japan Executive Board. And you've been on that board for several years. You're a California yes. licensed attorney, professional development and strategy consultant, diversity and inclusion strategist, career coach, and a legal tech evangelist. And oh, my goodness. Do I love multi-hyphenate people finding <laughs> senses of why I'm here in the world, what I can do, what makes me feel a sense of ikigai in, in multiple different sources. So that always excites me in somebody's, um, somebody's bio. And you've been living and working in Asia for more than 15 years, um, in mostly Hong Kong and Japan. Is that right? No, mostly in, in Japan. Right. So I, I had a little detour to Hong Kong, which I will talk about a little bit later in today's uh, chat. But yeah, mostly in Japan, about 15 years in Tokyo. Awesome. And, and then through that time, you've worked for American and Japanese law firms as international business lawyer and in HR and as well for the global education nonprofit organization. So that is Maurice. And why don't you just take a moment to talk about, let's go in with the work from TEL, from Tokyo English Lifeline, because the original reason I invited you 
was, you know, sort of the opposite, I guess, of ikigai, having a reason to live, is uh, shinigai. I don't know if it's a real word, but, you know, a reason to die. And obviously part of what Tel is doing is is doing, like, um, like, how do you call it, actually? Like, kind of lifeline. People are in a, in a mental health crisis. That's um, one of so our on. services, a, a suicide help lifeline. So, yes. Yeah. So tell me a little bit how you got involved with uh, with Tell and what it means to you in terms of your ikigai. Yeah. So it's the interesting part is it it actually started for me in my involvement in mental health and mental wellness started in junior high. Mm. Um, so in my I grew up in um, Illinois, uh, about two hours from Chicago. A place called Moline, Illinois, if any one of your listeners is familiar <laughs> with that area, Go Quad Cities. And they had a program for middle school students um, called the Natural Helpers Program. And that program was really peer-to-peer um, teaching peers how to listen and, and how to be a kind of sounding board and, and, and a resource for other students. And we received training on how to be a good listener how to listen for problems that the students or our or classmates may be having, and then how to escalate that to an appropriate adult or professional. So I, I, I did that at junior high. I went through that in high school. I, I was a natural helper as well. Uh, so I spent about six years already in that path. And it was sort of through that, that during college, I used it several times to um, save a few classmates from suicide. And that was a training that was kind of always been a part of me. And then it just sort of, I went off into teaching and, and other helping type of mechanisms and, mm. and used that training and listening and, and care for others as a part of how I approached my teaching and, and eventually how I approached my lawyering. And with Tell, I had come across an event on domestic violence uh, and I remember very clearly it was in Rapungi Hills, Block C, and it was uh, it was just talking about sort of domestic violence and and how some su- survivors what what they went through, and what type of services that they were getting after surviving, both from a legal angle, and that's part of the reason I went there. I was looking at it more from a legal angle, but also from a mental health angle. And one of the presenters was from Tell. Um, our lifeline director, Vicky, and and I was just I, I just was just so touched, and I and I ran up to Vicky afterwards, and I said, "How can I, how can I help out? I want to get involved in and tell." And at the time, I was actually thinking about becoming a volunteer for the lifeline. Uh, and there's a training that you have to go through, and and usually people don't disclose that they're a trainer on the, or, or a speaker on the lifeline. So clearly I'm not because I'm saying it, but, but you, I, I wanted to sort of help on the lifeline and given my MPO experience, my experience as a lawyer and some other experiences that I'd had, I, I got asked to join the board, which was something that I really wasn't planning to do. It wasn't what I set out to do, but being in a, you know, having an opportunity to be of service and to help others, um, was something that's always my calling, always something I always do. So I I learned a bit about the board and then I joined the board. And for the last six years or so, I've been on uh, the TEL board. That's really interesting, yeah. Maurice. I just want to add a kind of takeaway from that. Um, one is if people want to become a TEL volunteer, of course, all the links will be in the show notes so they yes, can please. find out about that, of course. But also, you know, sometimes we don't realize all the different ways that we can be of service. And we Mm go, oh, well, I'm not sure that I've got what it takes, for for example, to be that type of lifeline volunteer. So I'm not going to contact this organization. I'm not going to like reach out. But then through the conversation, I mean, in your case, you did, but many people put the blockers on there. But through your conversation, you discovered actually there's a different way that I can give back. There's a different way using my unique skills, experiences, knowledge, that I can be of service, that I can get involved in in this project. So it's a, I think it's an interesting takeaway for me to go, don't shut the door before it's open. Yes, exactly. And yeah. and for those, just to talk a little bit more about Tell itself, has the suicide lifeline, and Tell also has a clinic, 
and we have therapists there who uh, meet with clients in both English and Japanese. Mm -hmm. And we do in-person meeting and, and, and also tele, teletherapy. Um, tell, it, it, it's just an amazing organization. Like I said, I, I didn't really hear about it prior to like 2014 or so, 2015. But Tell itself has been around for nearly 50 years. So next oh, wow. April, uh, we're celebrating our 50th year anniversary. So 50 years of really providing services, being here, being a place to listen for mostly English language speakers uh, for the international community. And it's just amazing, you know, through the HIV crisis, through the the earthquake here, through the pandemic now, and, and even we're doing some work with Ukrainian refugees, which is, we'll timestamp this conversation. Mm. But Tell has always been there uh, for the community, both the international schools and uh, expats, uh, returnees, Japanese returnees. It's just such an amazing organization. And, and I think a very needed uh, piece to this international community here in Japan, um, which obviously I can go on and on. We just had our <laughs> offsite board meeting yesterday for, so I was with the other board members for nine hours. So Toe is very at the top of my mind. Uh, <laughs> and some of the things that we're thinking about from our strategy some of the things that we need to do to improve upon and, and some of the initiatives that we do want to work on for the next few years and, and hopefully the next 50 years and beyond. Mm, yeah. That's really interesting. And of course, uh, Tiziana Alamprezo, one of our previous yes. guests, is a member of the board. So you, I'm sure you were with her yesterday as well. And yes. I don't want you to, you know, pre-announce anything about the strategy <laughs> that's not been approved. But when you said you mentioned around, you know, the pandemic and and I've definitely seen from a coaching perspective, a, a difference in the types of challenges that people are bringing, the thoughts that are coming to uh, coaching, uh, coaching conversations. And I wondered if there's been any changes in the trends around what people are coming to tell with and what we sort of need to be aware of as, as members of a community what people are suffering with, I think, is the question I want to ask. Yeah, so it, it there's a lot. And, and I do want to pause, like if if someone is experiencing difficulties, you know, listening to this this podcast, please always feel free to reach out to tap to tell um, or me directly. I'm sure my my comfort, my information will be in in the show notes as well. I know that this is not always an easy subject to talk about and, and definitely not an easy subject to listen and, and hear about. But yeah, it, 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 the world is becoming more complex, right? And and uh, particularly during the pandemic, a lot of people, some people couldn't get home to their families. Uh, some people had remote work and and if you like working by yourself in your house, that's great. If you like being in office and with other people and, and having the camaraderie of having other people around you, it, it's hard to be alone. So I, I think that, you know, some of the major topics burnout is a big one because with working at home, more people are working even more than, than perhaps in the office. Loneliness is, is, is a, is a big topic there, particularly for some uh, expats or international people living in Japan who's not here with a family and who have family in different parts of the world. And, you know, like I said before, couldn't get in. There are some countries that close their borders and some, their job is here, but if they leave Japan, they can't get back into Japan. And where are you going to work? What's your livelihood? Uh, so that obviously created a bit of financial stress mm -hmm. uh, for a lot of people and children, you know, not being able to go to school and be with some of their classmates that, that's also been an increase in, 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 in some of these, you know, mental health needs. And I, uh, the unfortunate part is kind of on every front, there has been an increase in, in anxiety and an increase in depression, it, it just in general worry. Uh, and these are all of the things that we're seeing that tell an increase in our lifeline, increasing people meeting with our clinicians. We do have an outreach pillar too. Uh, we just had, you know, through our outreach, uh, we just had a Tokyo Tower Climb, which is one of our big annual events and, and the Step Up Challenge uh, in, in conjunction with October 10th, which is Mental Health, World Mental Health Day. And even our outreach is getting a lot more calls, a lot of people coming and trying to do webinars and, and meetings, you know, psychological for safety 
So I, I know that I'm kind of throwing a lot of terms out there, but part <laughs> of it is just to, one is there's a lot of work and there are a lot of different ways to look at this, to deal with these problems and that to sort of give the breadth of what Tell does. Like we, mm. there's just so many different types of activities, uh, so many types of resources that we have, you know, both through the website, through other social media that can help people. And kind of what you were saying earlier, people are at where they are on their journey, right? And and for someone, it might be just reading a PDF or reading a, an article on one of our websites about some breathing techniques that are going to help you um, get through. For some others, it might be going and, and attending like a parenting workshop, uh, which I did attend earlier this year <laughs> because I wanted to get some tips on parenting myself uh, in these ages. And, and, and that was very helpful. Or, or it may be something even a bit more serious, like calling the lifeline or, or, or trying to meet with one of the clinicians. Yeah. So just very like different, different entry points. And I would just add, and part of, again, one of the reasons why I wanted to sort of add this breath again is so that if someone is listening, you can realize you're not alone, right? If you're not the only one that's kind of experiencing some of these types of anxiety or, or, or stress or, you know, higher stress, because uh, there are lots of others that are also experiencing it as well. Hence the reason we have so many activities, which we, the reason we are looking to provide so many resources is because there are so many people out there that may be having these types of experiences. Yeah. Yeah. You just reminded me actually of a, a situation which I'd totally forgotten or maybe had buried uh, because it was so uh, upsetting at the time. But you, when you talked about the the school closures. Mm. And I remember my son who at the time he's in fourth grade now, so he must have been in second grade. Um, So he's not really like digitally connected to his friends in the way that his older sister was. And he really, really struggled with like Mm. the isolation and and not seeing his friends, not being in that situation, you know, to, to the camaraderie of the office, I guess you would call it the camaraderie of the playground. And I met, you know, I found him sitting, we have a three-story house and he was like sitting on the window ledge of his third floor bedroom, which is like a very narrow drop, but drop just going, oh, I hate it, I hate it, I can't do it anymore. And I was like, oh my goodness, I thought that I was stressed, but like seeing this stress in him and this, you know, kind of cry, cry for help, like mm-hmm. it just reminded me as well that like everybody that we're interacting with every day we don't know what's going on with them we don't know what they're carrying so you know not even right. when in doubt just always be kind right be and, kind. and and one of the things that just sort of to add to that is and, and I want to be kind of clear obviously obviously I'm not a clinician so mm. I'm speaking a bit more from my lay experience and my experience from you know, my involvement with gel or with tell. So not a clinician, but one of the things that I, I kind of wanted to highlight during this conversation is that can be very helpful. A lot of people go, when they think about mental health or mental wellness, they sometimes go direct to the extremes and think about like a mental illness or think about something very, very serious, like, you know, schizophrenia or um, bipolar disorder or some of these mm-hmm. types of other mental illnesses where one of the one of the good examples that I've seen out there is a mental health pyramid. Uh, and at the base of the pyramid is just no distress, no no issues. One layer up is like a mental uh, a, a distress or like a, a mental, you know, maybe like a test or something, a little bit of anxiety. And then another layer up is the mental problem. That's something a bit more serious, like a, a death in the family. Etc. And then at the very tip of the pyramid is a mental illness. And this is something where you're probably used to hearing more of the conversations where, you know, schizophrenia, maybe someone is hospitalized, maybe a lot of, a lot of medication. And the reality is most people, very few people don't necessarily get to that mental illness mm-hmm. part of the pyramid, but a lot of us and everyone does experience the mental problem, you know, the mental distress and, 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 and the sort of no exact, no anxiety distress part of the pyramid. And sometimes you can even be at all of the different layers at the same time. So mental health is a, is a continuum, right? Mm -hmm. And, and you can have a mental illness 
but because you have good coping mechanisms, because you're going to therapy, maybe you're using medicine, maybe not, you have a good a good handle on your mental health where you might have someone that isn't getting the coping mechanisms, isn't talking to anyone. And although they're kind of at the mental problem element of it, it, it can be a very serious situation. So I want everyone to, to sort of get in their mind that it's not a zero to 60. It's not, I'm either healthy or I'm not. Right. Mm. Or I'm either, you know, no, no problems at all, no stress, or I have an illness and I have to be hospitalized. Right. There's definitely a continuum there. And again, I will, I will send you the link uh, to this. It, it's a two or three minute video that I think is very helpful that you can put in and share with the listeners about sort of the different layers. And I didn't quite do it justice here, but, uh, but I, I think if, if someone saw the video and, 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 and it can go through that, they can get a better sense of what I'm saying. And I, I think the most important thing that we're especially trying to do with tell is even if you get, don't wait until it's too late <laughs> to, to try to, I won't say too late, but you don't, you don't have to wait until you get to the serious magnitude to, to yeah. reach out for help or to have a conversation with someone. And, and a lot of times it's a lot easier to, to address it and, and, and have those conversations kind of earlier in, you know, earlier on the layers levels of the, of the pyramid. Yeah. It's sort of, of course, at any level, like everything is figure outable and there's a way to find, find ways and solutions and support. But obviously when we're more towards one end of the spectrum or lower yes. on the pyramid, uh, the complexity of what needs to be figured out is at a different, a different level. Although sometimes in the moment it feels like it's everything, right? Correct. We can't Correct. See. But yeah, what I'm like taking away from our conversation uh, so far is, it's definitely that idea that it's normalizing mm -hmm. mental health and, and at different levels of it. And also there are so many different interventions or strategies that you can do to, to help yourself be healthier and to help other people around you be healthier too. Right. Yes, definitely. Yeah. And, and in particularly, like, you know, like some of the things that I am a big proponent of is that if you're working for an organization or a corporation, the utilizing the employee assistant program. Mm. So EAP is, is how it's sometimes referred to as short. Uh, most corporations or organizations have an EAP. And again, for listeners who work, are working, and if you haven't explored your services, I would recommend it. Even now, regardless of where you are on the pyramid, it's always good to know what's available and 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 to know what's at your your organization. And if your organization doesn't have it, uh, please feel free to reach out to me <laughs> because oh, I would love to have a conversation or I can share different resources that can be helpful. I, you know, during COVID, it's been tough. You know, unfortunately, um, my mother, you know, got COVID and passed away from COVID and, and I had to utilize my company's EAP services uh, to really help me through that. I went through grief counseling uh, for several, for several months. And, and, and part of it is because I felt, because I'm in the total universe in the ecosystem, I felt very comfortable doing it. I felt very comfortable telling my manager, telling my partner, telling others, I'm like, yeah, this is something that I need to do. Telling my friends, you know, there's help there. And for those who, it's very interesting because not everyone's going to be looking on the uh, YouTube, but the very interesting part, and if you can't tell, but I'm actually African-American, which, you know, is something that in the Black community, talking about mental health, mental wellness is also extremely stigmatized. Mm. Um, and I would say that it's somewhat similar to maybe even some, you know, Asia communities and other communities. And as a black man, I was gonna say, uh, yeah. it can be even particularly difficult to to open up. We're supposed to be tough. We're, you know, gritty. We 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 tough it out, and 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 we work our way through it. Um, and no, and it doesn't work that way. <laughs> I was gonna say, get out of here with that bullshit. But the reality, <laughs> that we we really need to be open and 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 work through some of these, you know, situations. There are lots of sort of trauma that different people have dealt with, um, you know, whether it's racism, et cetera, that, you know, mm -hmm. haven't, they haven't really addressed yet, which can manifest itself later. So again, that's another, it's just another reason that I'm called to this and, and a huge proponent of it. And, you know, if I, 
a big black man who, you know, from the U.S. that, you know, from there, if I can talk to counselors and and deal with my emotions and and and, and look away to, or look for ways to improve my mental health and mental health, you know, mental health and mental wellness. Yeah, I think anyone can. And, um, and again, I know, again, it's difficult. I know it's different for different people. And, and that's why there are different mini on ramps and, and mm. different resources for people to come in for what is comfortable for them. Well, thank you so much for sharing that story. And of course, I'm very sorry to hear about your mother. It must have been a really mm. tough time with, again, border closures and all of those things. So it's also really kudos to you for reaching out for those resources and knowing like I'm not okay and, and having them. And, and it made me also think about, you know, what uh, leaders who are listening mm-hmm. on the call and people managers need to do, like you need to, even if you're okay, <laughs> you need to be educated around what your organization offers as well. Correct. And then Correct. also in that, it kind of reminds me a bit of how the, I used, we, you know, B&I training used to be around like when your, when your team member says she's pregnant, uh, the first words you should say are congratulations, yes. <laughs> right? Not when are you coming back to work? Um, like that was actually like a slide that people had in training back in the day, like to remind people to say that. But mm-hmm. also, you know, when one of your team members say, I'd like to access the EAP and I don't know anything about it, like how how to respond human to human in, in that right. moment, I think is very important because the, the step that it takes for um from a vulnerability perspective and psychological safety perspective for your teammate member to ask for help. Right. Right. Um, For me, I particularly in Asia, which is where, you know, you mm. and I are located uh, at at this call. I, I, I think it's really, you have to take the leadership and I think that you have to say to your team members, these are the resources available and, you know, it's confidential because a lot of, Pretty much all of those programs are really confidential. The information doesn't feed back to to your manager or to your company. And if you feel that it does, again, please reach out to me because that's a problem. Uh, you know, putting putting aside my lawyer hat, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but but really, a lot of them are confidential. But if a people if they don't see their leaders using it or their managers using it or even promoting it, mm-hmm. uh, they it, it's very difficult for people to understand. Is that gonna is that going to affect my bonus? Is it going to affect my opportunities at, at the company? And again, for me, yeah, if you're at a company where you feel that that's the case, then, you know, maybe it's the company that's part of the problem. Uh, and, and you need to be thinking about some of maybe some of your own career op- opportunities and options, um, which again, I know is, 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 can be very difficult. Um, but it is something that sometimes needs to happen, but like I said, with, with those services, as because you were saying managers, leaders, you need to learn what they are. You should be promoting them to to your team and to your colleagues, you know, both your laterally and 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 people mm-hmm. that, you know, report to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if the services are not quality or lacking, then you should be speaking up on that. Uh, so, uh, again, I know it's hard, but these are things that are sometimes needs to happen. And we've definitely seen that normalization from the corporate wellness and corporate mental health uh, conversation has shifted. Mm-hmm. Like I've never seen so many posts on LinkedIn about mental health. It's really surprising, but of course that's like an English language perspective usually. Yes. So as you uh, rightly point out, like being based in in Japan or in, in Asia, that I, I don't quite know what's happening in the Japanese language conversation around around these things, but I definitely see it. And normalizing to an extent, people talking yeah, so, and leaders talking about what what's happening for them, right? The vulnerability is the first step of of psychological safety. Yeah, in Japan, we we have a a bit of a ways to a go. ways to go, a ways to go. Well, we look <laughs> um, forward to hearing the yeah. tell plan for the next yeah. <laughs> five to fifty years yeah. on on that piece. What I can say is, particularly for tell tell, you know, is focus a bit more on the international community. We do have Japanese nationals and, and Japanese language speakers that reach out to tell, you know, for services, the mm-hmm. the government itself, it's a work in progress. 
uh, anyone that's listening that might have influences with governments or, or strong corporates, you know, again, please reach out to me. would love to collaborate with you on uh, increasing the conversations and normalizing some of these conversations, particularly in Japan. And the one thing that I kind of wanted to go back to is a little bit earlier, you were talking about the the story with your with your son and thank you for sharing and how you felt as a parent. And one of the things that I want, at least in this conversation to get out and what makes it a lot more difficult at this time is parents are really, really stressed themselves. And we are in a time where, you know, when I when I grew up uh, and it was like, go to school Education is the key, which is a big phrase that I heard when I was, you know, growing up, go to school, get educated, you'll go to the university, you'll get this good job. And, and basically you have the life is the world is your oyster. And, and for me, I love school. I love learning. School was, was fun. School was, you know, it was a safe place. It was enjoyable for me. I loved, you know, I went to school, I went to law school, I became a lawyer, I was corporate lawyer you know, at a very you know, big law firm and, 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 and working in, in, in some of these areas. And, you know, I felt accomplished and grateful to be able to get there, but there's still so much uncertainty, right? And one of the reasons, there's several reasons why lawyers, you know, have a lot more anxiety, depression, and obviously that's not the topic of this conversation, but I will say one of the major causes is the uncertainty. And having to do a lot of work and then having a lot of uncertainty about your work, about your life, about the world, et cetera. And, and that obviously creates a lot of anxiety. And if you're uncertain about your own career, your own future, that's going to manifest itself into your, uh, your ch children. If you mm -hmm. are, if you are a parent and, and, you know, you, you have, a, you know, children, uh, which not everyone does, but for those who do. Um, so but I into think like different relationships, even exactly. if you're not or, a parent, or right? Your correct, anxiety different. is going to influence those correct. relationships. Correct. Yeah. It, it, in, but I, so I think it's extremely important for parents to be thinking about their mental wealth, their mental wellness and mental health. Mm. Um, and, you know, particularly they always say on the plane, put your own oxygen mask on first before you help others, even your own kids. They try to drill that yeah. into you. And I think that that's very important, which is one of the reasons why I made sure I went to EAP, you know, I lost my mother, but I'm a parent and I wanted to make sure that I put my oxygen mask on so that I can deal with, you know, my grief and deal with uncertainty and things that I needed to deal with so that I could be a good parent, a good partner, a good friend, et cetera. There are some people that probably will have takeaway or let me look about it for my kid. It's great. You do want to take care of your kids or your partner or your friend, but sometimes it, it, it's you that yeah. you're the one that should be really thinking about the services or trying to have these conversations. And once you go through it, once you've had, you know, some experiences, uh, then you are, are better equipped and, and et cetera, to, to help others. So that's something that I kind of wanted to, to put out there. And, and yeah, uh, I know yeah. it's hard. I know it's hard, particularly for professionals who are, you know, used to being the person that, people come to or you know particularly in, a, in an industry like law where you the, the clients are coming to you or you're defending clients and you feel like oh I need to have it all together I need to have it all together but in order to do that you need to make sure that you take care of your own self your own your wellness your mental physical etc so very important I know people have heard it but you're hearing it again from me <laughs> you know you're hearing it you're probably Maybe the way it's said in this podcast may touch you in a different way, um, but you know it, it, it's something that I think is important, and it's a message that I will continuously say over and over and over. Yes, including on LinkedIn. Yes, and repetition <laughs> is you know the the the, the mother of, of learning, shall we say? Exactly. So. Exactly. Um, it's definitely it's definitely there and, and it even I was laughing because I was thinking about how I originally positioned this uh podcast to you and I was saying yeah like can we like help other people who are struggling with other things but actually I think the takeaway is more yeah get your own shit together first like yes <laughs> that's before you try to rescue anyone else yeah you have to have a strong foundation for yourself and actually that makes you more likely to be able to be there for someone who is is in one you know somewhere else on the spectrum um yes 
and it, it behooves you to to do the work and to to look after yourself and yeah I see it so often in in coaching and, and recently I've been doing a lot of um, like maternity leave or uh, parental leave coaching and people just not looking after themselves as soon as they become a parent like not looking after themselves and just really focused on everyone but themselves and it's like you know you've just you've just made a life and you're nurturing that life <laughs> with from your own body and you're going to work like right yeah and- to f- sleep exercise relaxation it's more important slow. than it does you know all of these exactly. things so, no yeah. i was gonna yeah slow things down mm-hmm. um which uh, it's easier said but I, I think that things are moving at a very, very breakneck, breakneck speed. Yeah. And it's just so fast out there these days. And the human mind and, and the way that we're structured, the way that even our growth doesn't lead to that speed, right? We're not computers. You can't just put in an updated chip and now we process much faster. And there's a lot more information in the process. It's complicated. There are gaps that you need to fill in. Again, uncertainty felt in there. And a lot of it needs to be dealt with a bit slower, which which is why mindfulness and meditation are parts of the wellness toolkit, mm-hmm. um, because that helps you kind of slow things down, put things in in perspective. We were sort of talking before recording, pushing record, you know, so <laughs> I, I don't meditate very often, but I definitely work on, I have a lot of breathing exercises. Uh, that I work with and and that I have to use continuously because I'm a I like to get stuff done I like stuff to move fast and once I've identified a problem I'm like let's get it done let's solve it but some things are very difficult their time particularly living in Japan things move at glacier speed sometimes uh, so you have to sort of take that step back and breathe and and let it go a little bit smoother and from there uh go go forth which can be a struggle for me but it's it's something that has been very helpful over the particularly the last several years and um that kind of links into a topic that i wanted to talk to you about as well today which was about kind of your own in between place that you're in with uncertainty and yes. uh, kind of uh, yeah letting things go so perhaps you could update what's happening um around yeah that situation yeah exactly listeners. thank you as i you know had mentioned before part of the reason i i kind of delayed this recording uh even though we, we sort of chatted several weeks ago i delayed it because i thought i was gonna have like a big announcement that I wanted to unveil and be like, ah, oh, this is my announcement uh, that I'm, this is what I'm working on, et cetera. But I don't have a big announcement. And, and as a bit of a backstory, we talked about Hong Kong the last two and a half years, I had been going back and forth between Tokyo and Hong Kong. My family was still in Hong Kong or in Tokyo. I was living in Hong Kong and uh, quarantines. I've done my fair share on both sides, you know, both, 21 day, 14 days, seven days, 21 days. Uh, so I've, I've spent a lot of time uh, in quarantines and, you know, in Hong Kong, it's one way to slow things down, et cetera. Um, and, and it really is sort of that back and forth. And, mm-hmm. you know, I basically had a, a conversation with my organization and said, I just can't keep going back and forth. And this isn't the right timing to relocate to, to Hong Kong. Um, you know, I think Tokyo is is the place, you know, I want to be for the for the time being. We had some conversations and and unfortunately it didn't work out where I could be back in Tokyo with uh, that, you know, that organization. So I left, right? I said, deuces, peace. <laughs> I have to <laughs> I have to go and and be back in Tokyo. And you know, it wasn't something that was planned out. Uh, I came back to Tokyo, no job (laughs) no um and you know i took a few weeks uh rest spent some time with the family uh and then started reaching out to people and and looking at different opportunities and you know as of today or this recording i have a few things that you know i'm still in discussions with but nothing confirmed right uh so and even you know as i'm speaking right now i'm not sure which of the opportunities will materialize right but 
I'm confident that, you know, with my network, the people I know, the skill set, et cetera, something will come out and, and, and it's going to be, you know, a good opportunity. It's going to be amazing, you know, a place where I can meet all of the elements of the guy, right. Where, mm. you know, something I love, something I'm helping people, the world definitely needs. And, you know, I got to make some revenue because I, you know, shoes, the baby needs some shoes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so um, so I, I'm pretty sure that it's going to meet all those areas, but you know, I can honestly say, like I said, I don't know mm. which area it's going to be. I don't know. I have some hopes and I have areas that, you know, I want to, to take off, but you never know when it is and if the timing's right. So yeah, it's a very real uh, situation mm. and kind of what I was saying before, breathe, take a deep breath. I take, you know, at least an hour a day just to unplug from online, not listening to anything, just sitting with my thoughts. And, and, and fortunately I have the space and the time to do that. I know that not everyone has that opportunity, but I have been utilizing it. And I think that that has been helpful uh, and has, you know, helped, you know, my, my mental health and, uh, and and my wellness. So yeah, stay tuned. Um, yes. We'll see what happens. Yeah, we'll excited. see what happens on the on the journey. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's it's tough sometimes. You know, I have to admit. Sometimes I'm like, ah, oh, why did I do it? I could have mm. I could have done another quarantine. <laughs> um, or you know, could you know could have done something else. But but I, you know, I still think it was the best decision. Yeah, I I feel that 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 comes up a lot when people have the realization that yes what I'm currently doing is not giving me this sense of ikigai it doesn't feel sustainable mm-hmm. um, I know that this is not what I want but I don't know what's next cutting the cords yes. right doing that that step is absolutely terrifying um, I did it myself like I left my company and I decided I'd set up a business I'd never run a business before and uh that that moment of just making making <laughs> making that choice and i just wonder if you have from your experience advice to people who are maybe have haven't made the decision yet of course not advice but perhaps what it was that happened for you that made you make that choice Right. We don't so, want to say, yeah, quit your job, everybody, because we don't know anyone's situation. So not advice, but yeah. your lived experience, like where where you are and, and what that might inform somebody else who's in that well, situation. Well, for me and 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 full disclosure, I've done it several times. <laughs> Did it get <laughs> so easier? This, it does get it. No, this last one was the hardest because uh, because right. of the, 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 the environment, economy and stuff. Right. And okay. the older you get, the harder it gets it's to do mm. it right so um, ah, so the, the advice is do it when you're younger don't wait till you're older you got a house yeah. a mortgage kids yeah that's one <laughs> i i mean the biggest <laughs> thing is I, I i do think particularly and, and it depends on what where people are and i can talk a, a bit from like a corporate or business you know like corporation lens mm. um but from there is really do take an inventory of your skill set your knowledge what you have i think if you need to talk to a coach, career coach, or even a recruiter to get a sense of like, what's your market value and, mm-hmm. and what's the market like? I think that that can give you comfort, right? Because if you, as I was saying before, the way that I review, the way I review things is my skill set, my network, my knowledge should be good, should be so strong that if I lose a role, I can find a job that's equal to or better to it within five months. Mm. Right. And that's what I call like job security. Job security is not lifelong employment to me. Job security, if you want to stay in a job, is you can find another role equal to or better within five months. Right. It may Mm. be quicker depending on what field you're in. It may take a little longer than five months. But so if you for that person that's unsure of where they are in their career, if you can sit and say to yourself, I'm pretty sure that I have the network, the skills, the knowledge that if something happened, I could find another job between, you know, in five months. If the answer is yes, then you can relax a little bit, you know, test mm-hmm. it by talking with a recruiter, talking with a, a you know, career coach, talking even maybe even going out and interviewing. Yeah. Um, but if you look at it and you say, I can't say that, then that's what you need to start working on right away. Right. You, you need to start working on it or either 
beef up your savings or something because you're 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 at risk, right? Because if mm. you can't save that. Um so that's kind that's of really the practical. That's super yeah. helpful, I think, to like look do that inventory. And then if you've yeah. not got what you need, yes, then start building it. Exactly. And and if you do, and a lot of those skills, particularly as knowledge, if you're a knowledge worker or even a technical skill, you, you can work as a consultant then. Mm. Right. And and I and I think consultant typically is a good bridge role. Like if you're leaving one organization, you're not sure what kind of culture, what kind of mission you want to work with, then sometimes it's good work as a consultant, do it for a few months. You know, it gives you some income. It gives you keep you kind of in the game somewhat. Yeah. Uh, and it gives you time to look uh, for other opportunities. Yeah. Yeah. It's I have adorable. a I have a whole <laughs> bunch of opinions on careers and career building. Um, so again, if, if people want to reach out and, and chat, I know you do as well um, yeah. <laughs> as, as, as a coach in the space, but yeah, this, this is, this is the area of, you know, huge interest. And, and I do spend a bit of time on LinkedIn kind of talking about this because that's time is limited, right. As they always say the cliche, right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and. If you're not using your hours, someone else is using them for you. Indeed, <laughs> so, indeed. And and do you want someone else to use them or do you want to use your hours? So that's that's kind of my philosophy. Yeah, awesome. And um, my doorbell is telling me that it's nearly time for us to wrap up. So <laughs> the question that I want to ask you is, what's the question I should have asked you? What's something we didn't have a chance to talk about yet that you really want to share on the podcast today? Right. So I, I would say what makes me optimistic and hopeful. So what uh, makes you optimistic and hopeful, Maurice? I've asked it now. Yes, thank you. Uh, no, I, I, I think that I, I think human humans are resilient. Uh, and, and I think that we always find a way to to survive and to and, and hopefully thrive, you know, more going in the future. And on the one hand, you can look at current situations and think, oh my God, it's so complex. It's crazy. There's so many hard problems out there. What do I do? And for me, I think, yes, there are many, many problems, but you can't solve all of them, right? And, and you can't solve all of them alone. Mm -hmm. So if you can think about what's your area, what's your niche that you're going to focus on. So obviously for me, it's more mental wealth, wellness, mental health, careers. That's my area that I focus on someone else. It might be global warming, someone else. It might be immigration or immigration rights, et cetera, but say, yes, there's many things out there, but there are 8 billion people in the world. We are resilient people. If we can sort of pick our area that we want to focus on, if we can pick that area that we want to contribute and contribute at a deeper level, and I'm sure other people will start picking those areas as well then I, I think that that can be a, you, th that's going to be great for society, right? If we all just throw our hands up and say, no, let's just go watch TikTok all day. Then. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we got a problem, but, but yeah. I, but, but I know that most people will want to do something, pick your area, pick your niche, pick that intersection of where mm. you want to be. And which is part of the EKI, where can you contribute the most, what the world needs and, and, and be comfortable in that, that decision and, and live with it. Yeah. Uh, so. I like that, that idea of, yeah, you don't have to solve everything. No. Um, just find one thing which really speaks to you and, and, and work around that. And um, I, I just want to offer uh, something. So several times today, you've sort of misspoken, but I think it's really been brilliant because you've said mental wealth yes. so many times. <laughs> as a, uh, I feel like it's your new catchphrase, mental that's wealth. That's great. But, I like mental wealth. Yeah. You've yeah, said it like great. when you listen to this, you'll have mental wealth, but it's, and then you said, oh, sorry, I mean, mental health, mental wellness. But maybe what we need to think about, like from a position of like someone, so someone who says they have ikigai actually yes. has mental wealth. They have a sense yes. of room in their mind. They're hopeful about the future. They feel connected to society. Trademark. Um, I'm yeah, gonna, I, got, I, I got to see if I need to trademark that. Yeah, exactly. If you haven't, <laughs> you heard it here first, guys. <laughs> you heard um, it here first. <laughs> yes, I think we've got a lawyer in the house, so I'm sure it will all be it will all be sorted out. Um, yeah, so yeah. I think it's a great a great takeaway to you know, what's, what's in your mental wealth bank balance right now and how can you exactly kind of fill that up a little bit more? And it, and it's, um, it comes from all different sources and there's many different entry points, different ways to sort of increase that balance, whether it's through 
yeah, reading a PDF, taking a deep breath, or like working with a, a clinician and there's a, you know, kind of a medical um medical support a medicinal support is what i'm wanting yes. to say as well like that can that can come in too so yeah mental wealth as a is a huge takeaway from today so any thank final you. comments from you maurice no that? i just want to yeah thank you for the opportunity uh for for this chat again uh fit for some of the listeners if you find something that is trig- triggering uh please do know that tell is is here if you're not in Japan, uh, obviously Tell is based more in Japan, but if you're not in Japan and you need some local resources, please do reach out to me and, and I can see what I can what I can help you find. So thank you and, and everyone stay mental wealthy. Mentally wealthy. <laughs> I love it. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for sharing your experience, your stories, your network, um, yes. and also your in-between time because I think that many people learn from that and i i think that when we're trying to bring in more of a sense of ikigai sometimes we have these bumps in the road it's not always mm-hmm. as smooth as we think but also that's that's part of the journey too and to to slow down Correct. to breathe into it and <laughs> to have this hope that you know yeah a, a better day is coming because all it's the pieces coming. are there in in there anyway exactly Well, thank you so much for joining us today. All of Maurice's contact information will be in the show notes, like and subscribe, all of those different things. And of course, yeah, please be mentally wealthy. Mental health (laughs) is health, as uh, Maurice's background on YouTube says. So uh, yeah, look after yourselves, everybody. And we'll see you again for the next episode. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening today. I really hope that you found something you could take away from the episode to help you find your own Ikigai and integrate it into your daily life. And I'd love to hear exactly what resonated with you. So pop over to see me on LinkedIn or on my Facebook page. You can find the links in the show notes below. And let me know what you thought was the most important takeaway from the podcast today. And sharing is caring. So feel free to share this episode with one of your friends who you think could benefit from hearing about living a life of purpose. Looking forward to see you on the next episode of Ikigai with Jennifer Shinkai.